Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. We've been in this environment, Joe, so long with cheap money, let's call it. And I think we've gotten so used to it, I'm afraid that a lot of people think it's going to be here forever. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average they can save you 400 bucks a year and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this show is all about cutting out the fluffy stuff and getting straight to the good stuff that moves your real estate investing business forward. And uh, we've talked to many best ever guests who have given many wonderful piece of advice. uh, And we've got another one coming up. This is a daily podcast. And today we've got with us Joe Kuchera. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. 
Yeah, and you said there's a difference between how you pronounce your last name if it's like formally Italian or not. So I'm going to do like Cucera. Is, is that is that how the Italians say it? No, actually, Cucera is the easiest <laughs> way to say it. But you know, the correct pronunciation, the way the Italians say it, is Cucchiata, which is oh. uh, which is tablespoon. It means tablespoon, and uh, for a guy that likes to eat, that's good stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, well, my my might have been a, a Latin infused Italian then maybe I'm not sure what I was doing, but either way, Joe's a mortgage planner with W J Bradley Mortgage Capital, and he's been a real estate or residential mortgage loan officer for 15 years. He's also the host of the popular radio show called Real Estate Radio Live which broadcasts on, for all of the, uh, the Bay Area people in California, broadcasts on 1220 KDOW, that's AM, from 3 to 4 p.m. your time. I don't need to tell you that specific standard time because you're already in that time zone. And Joe is a very polished and um, a experienced mortgage, a residential mortgage loan officer, easy for me to say, and I'm really looking forward to sharing and learning more of his story. So that being said, Joe, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Yeah, my my background is, oddly enough, uh, had no idea I was going to be in the mortgage business or radio, but here I am. Uh, Baseball was my passion, and I played uh, for the Cleveland Indians in the early 80s and uh, tried my had my go at that, and that didn't work, so I got back to home base here and tried to figure out what, what I wanted to do, and uh, after working a couple different odd things, you know, I was more always more entrepreneurial, and as a finance guy, I was always interested in finance and business, so I landed in the mortgage business about 15 years ago, and really started, uh, it helped me that I started a little bit older, I think, because, uh, you know, I was I really looked, seeked a lot of advice, and really my focus from day one has been uh, educating the consumer first. So I'm a big believer in education information. So that's the way I built my mortgage business and has done well and has grown to a pretty sizable business here 15 years later. And then uh, really got interested to see how I could expand my knowledge and actually get that information out to the consumers at a different, you know, different level. So I uh, had the, the fortunate uh, opportunity to launch a uh, radio show four years ago now, and I started doing it on a Saturday for an hour, and it went so well that the station offered me a five-day-a-week, and um, so it's been three years now, Real Estate Radio Live, so I bring really the education information, Joe, to the consumer every day, and that's the focus. So, our, you know, really our tagline is that, uh, you know, we want to provide consumers with as much education information as possible to help them make wise decisions in their real estate. It's pretty simple. So we do that by having expert guests on like yourself and other people, you know, real estate agents, financial planners, CPAs, real estate attorneys, really all encompassing real estate. And uh, so we educate the Bay Area here as much as we can in that in that respect. What has been the most popular topic on that show? You know, I tell you, by far, it's investment investing in real estate. I think that uh, even though we have a lot of great calls, feedback, information, um, people wanting to know all kinds of information. By far, the biggest interest is people wanting to know about investing in real estate. Should they invest in the Bay Area? That comes up a lot, Joe, because of the you know the price points in the Bay Area, very expensive. So um, I would say investment real estate in general, and then you know people looking to invest outside of California. Those are probably the two most popular topics. 
And when those topics come up, in particular, that question, if I call up, I'm living in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. and I'm asking, should I invest here? What do you say? Yeah, it's a great question. I What I really try to do is figure out what their objectives and their goals are. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I mean, if you, in the Bay Area, the average price point, you know, is seven or $800,000 in, in the area in which we live, and it goes up from there. So if you're looking for cash flow, that's almost going to be impossible now, if a person's looking for equity growth or they're going to be in the Bay Area a long time and they have the time to uh, to let that equity grow, you know, you could look at the percentages and what's gone on in the Bay Area. Because of the job market and the desirability to live here, you know, we get a strong equity growth. There's a good pattern in history to that. But, you know, so we'll, we'll go through that exercise. But if someone's purely looking for cash flow and they really want to try to get the return on their investment, um, you know, then there's there's a, a lot we talk about outside of California and even some areas of California, but specifically outside, that people could take advantage of some of the investment opportunities. As a host of a show, how do you, if at all, incorporate your business as a residential mortgage loan officer into the show? Yeah, I, that's a good question. On purpose, the show is, uh, you know, the tag, anything and everything real estate. So we focus a lot on real estate. I'll do market updates and I'll talk about mortgage, but, you know, honestly, as much as I enjoy my, my business and, and, uh, have a great group, a team of people that do the same and, and care for a lot of people, you know, for the most part, it's mortgages are pretty boring. <laughs> Say that. I do mortgages for a living, but honestly, you can only talk so much about them. People need them. They use them. There's great tax advantage. There's great conversations about leveraging money, as you know better than anybody. But so the way I mix that in is if you, you know, there's, I'll, I'll do interviews of a lot of different people in different aspects of real estate, but usually two or three days a week, I will encompass like what I would call a mortgage minute or mortgage update, giving people an idea about rates and where I think rates are going. And then also comparisons on different programs that come out and different ways to finance. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. If you were to do a mortgage minute, mm -hmm. what would you say right now? Yeah, I think right now in the mortgage minute, I would say that uh, the big for me, the isolated zero, the focus right now would be take advantage of the low cost of money right now because it won't last. And we've been in this environment, Joe, so long with cheap money, let's call it. And I think we've gotten so used to it, I'm afraid that a lot of people think it's going to be here forever. And when rates go up, they will go up fast. So my my tagline today, my mortgage amendment today would be, if you're thinking on your, if you're on the fence about purchasing or making a real estate transaction or even with your own personal property, any kind of property at all, make sure you have the strategy in place with all those properties right now or make those decisions to take advantage of the cost of money because the cost of money, when it goes up, it usually goes up quick. And then, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen after that. So that would be my minute. So we're closing out 2015. When do you think, if you look in the crystal ball, when do you think those rates will go start going up? Because you said once they start going up, it's going to happen quickly. Yeah, I, I really think in the first or second quarter of next year would be my best guess. And um, And when they go up, again, it's anybody's guess right now. I would say that, you know, if we just talk about conforming money, which right now conforming, standard conforming, 417000 is under 4% again. And, uh, you know, I could see that being 45 or 4.58. So I could see the rates, the 30-year money going up about, a you know, at least a half percent between now and the next five to six months. And, again, that's my best guess. 
course, when the when the Fed decides to raise the prime, that doesn't have a direct correlation with mortgage-backed securities. But ultimately, that will signal that the economy is doing a little bit better. And I think we could look forward to some higher rates in the next five to six months. When you look at the different types of mortgage programs or loan programs, how do you determine what's right for the individual? Yeah, that's a big part of it. Most of the time, people will call and automatically ask about the 30-year fix because the 30-year money, again, is historically so low. But what I'll do is uh, through my program, I have a program called Mortgage Coach Edge, and I don't care who I talk to. I always send them an analysis, a visual analysis, which includes audio and video, taking them through the different options. And so before I even do that, though, we have a conversation about their goals of that property, whether it's a primary residence, second home, investment property, how long they're going to own it, what's their outlook. You know, sometimes people will say, I'm in this property now, Joe, but I really think I'm going to rent it. So then we'll look at some long-term money and and investments on that side. So really it's finding out what their goals are for that particular property because sometimes, you know, a rate, a lower rate could be, you know, could hamper someone even more than if you have the right program to me is just as important, if not more important than than the, the lowest rate possible. When you look at your business, what percent is people who live in the property, so primary or owner-occupant, and what percent is investors? I'd say about 70%, roughly 68 to 70% are you know either primary or second home, and then roughly 30% comprise of investment uh, people that buy investment property. And with the investors, where are they purchasing them? Well, you know, oddly enough, I'm starting to see more and more outside of California. And, you know, even though I do some, I could finance, California is my main state. So that's where I focus my business. I am able to finance in a few states outside of California. But I'm seeing now more and more people I'm referring out to, to people like yourself and others that specialize and are experts in investing outside of California. And I would say, um, you know, probably 15 or 20 percent now easily are looking to invest outside of California. And is there a particular city that they're they're landing in? You know, it's across the board. Uh, once I get out of California, again, I'm not the expert, but I'm seeing, you know, people are looking into Texas, Florida, Ohio, and, you know, North Carolina. There's some even up North Dakota. It's kind of sprinkled all around Atlanta area. And I know there's some strategies around how that, you know, again, I'm not familiar with those states, but I, I can emphatically say that there is never, for me, doing the radio show, Joe, there's never been a stronger interest and desire in people understanding, you know, how they can invest outside of California. When you take a look at where the industry has been and, and where the type of rates that we have right now, how often do you think we'll see this type of lending environment where the money is so cheap? You know, I think it's uh, it's going to go away soon. And again, my best guess would be the first or second quarter of next year. But when I say that, I don't mean to alarm people. When I, you know, if we if we sit and look at it now, Joe, I bought my first property in 1986, and I had a you know an adjustable interest rate at 12 or 13 percent. And so now when we're talking about, you know, 30-year money under 4% and the likelihood that it could go up to, so let's say, let's call it four and a half or so, you know, in less than a year from now, that is still really, really reasonable, cheap money, uh, historically speaking. So, you know, we saw some all-time lows a couple of years ago, but now, again, I would read it, the rates are so low, money is so cheap, and, uh, you know, the analysis that I do all the time on a regular basis is, 
the cost of waiting. And what I mean by that is, you know, you could do an analysis on, you know, the cost of a, an interest rate today, for instance, if it's less than 4% and you're worried about paying a premium on a home versus, you know, waiting a year or so and not paying the premium on that home, but paying a higher interest rate. So the longer you hold that property and the longer you finance, those things catch up with you. What's something that you have noticed surprises people you come across when you're talking to them about your industry? Well, (laughs) unfortunately, I think the thing that surprises and frustrates people the most, Joe, is, uh, is the challenging aspect of financing. You know, ever since we had the mortgage meltdown in uh, in seven and eight, nine, that uh, total reform, you know, lenders swung to super conservative. So even though the cost of money is great and rates are, you know, at pretty close to historic lows, I still think people are challenged and frustrated. That's why it's my job in our industry. We need to set expectations the best up front. I would say the most challenging and unexpected thing that people haven't financed in a few years is the scrutiny, you know. Where did that $25 deposit come from? How come that check's here that was not normally here? You know, what about that two-month separation in employment where you said you were there and they're not there? So there's a lot of scrutiny more than ever before, and I think that is probably the biggest thing that takes people by surprise, the conservative nature of lending when they're, when they're in the middle of that. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, uh, it's it's really clear. I would say that uh, make sure you're with the right people and the right partners and the right advice. I've, you know, I've had a lot of success in real estate, and I've also had a couple of failures. And I could tell you emphatically, the reason for those failures is because I got involved with the wrong people. It wasn't necessarily the wrong deal, but the wrong partners or the wrong people. So I would say, really do your homework about who you're getting your education from, who you're getting your information from, and who you partner with. Well, let's uh, dig in there. Can you give an example? One of the, You said there are a couple examples that mm-hmm. are a couple of deals that didn't go right. Can you be specific around one of them? Absolutely. I, um, back in 2004, 2005, I always, one of my dreams was always to own real estate in the Pebble Beach area. For people that are familiar with California, Pebble Beach is kind of the crown jewel. You know, it's just south of the Bay Area, and it's beautiful coastline and, and some expensive property and just some beautiful areas. And um, so I finally got an opportunity to buy a property in that area. And it was uh, it, it appeared to be a pretty good investment opportunity. And it was brought to me by a realtor that I was uh, pretty familiar with. And then he had another partner that he brought in. And, um, you know, they had done some of these before where they bought them as a partnership. And, you know, I, I thought that I did my due diligence. What I mean by that is I knew this real estate agent, but I didn't know him really well. But even the more importantly, the other partner was uh, well, the contractor, and this particular contractor happened to be on the Coastal Commission for for Monterey County. So, all the, in, you know, on surface, on the paper, without pulling credit and understanding, looking at doing a five-year background, this appeared to be a pretty decent partnership. And the fact that he was so well-connected politically, we could get stuff done in a, in a challenging area. So I formed this partnership, and um, you know the deal we had was basically I'd come up with the money to purchase the place, the down payment, and then uh, they would uh, make the payments and, and start the construction on it. So we bought the property. Everything started on time. They started taking it apart, got it down to the studs, and then uh, we found some problems that were unforeseen, and then um, they built, they basically 
you know, got scared and bailed out on me and left me holding the property because it was in my name. And then, uh, you know, I had to make the payments. They basically walked away. Even though we had a written contract, you know, then when I hired an attorney and found out, tried to go after him, I found out that the contractor that was supposedly had the great background did not have such a great background. And there was some problems legally that he had going against him. And, uh, I did not do a good enough job at understanding who I was developing a partnership with. And so and the biggest problem I had was I couldn't rent the property out. It would be different if I could rent it out. So, um, you know, I had to put as much money back into it as soon as I could and and ended up selling it for a loss. And uh, that was a big mistake, probably the biggest mistake. And I would say that, again, the message for me was that not so much. I think the deal was fine. It was the people I got involved with in that deal. What type of due diligence on partners would you do now that you didn't do before? Well, I think that I would really make sure that they were highly recommended by people I trusted. And what I mean by that is it's simply one thing if you see someone in the community and you say, hey, they appear to be a decent partner or a decent person or ethical. You know, if there was an opportunity brought to me today, I would do more background. I would ask more questions. I would find out more about their past. I would, you know, again, really lean on people that I trusted in the community, in the business world. I didn't really do that so much. I I was convinced that this was a pretty good situation. And I think that I, um, you know, I fell short in that area. And that's the thing that I would do different this time around. Would you pull any particular reports when you say you'd find out more about their past? Would you ask them and ask people or would you hire a service? You know, I might hire a service, but I think I would ask more people and do a little more due diligence on their background and whether that's hiring a service or really just digging deeper into the community. It's amazing now with the internet, you know, I didn't, you didn't, even though it was still, you know, in, in five and six, it was out there. That's, you know, that's a long time ago. That's 10 years ago. And so um, there's so much you could find out on a person now by doing a lot of different search activities. But I think the biggest thing would be to seek advice. And then, um, you know, the one last thing I would say, Joe, that I didn't do till afterwards is any kind of partnership. I would, I would have got my, should have gotten my attorney involved and got some of his advice because typically what happens is, once we need legal advice, is usually we, you know, we should we should have got it, we should have got it earlier instead of later. So that would be the other thing I would look to do is, if I were forming a partnership and get involved with someone, I would get I would get legal advice. I did not do that last time until it was too late. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. All right, Joe, best ever book you've read? Think and Go Rich, and recently I love The Compound Effect. Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? Yeah, what I just mentioned earlier, I just think that learn from learn from the past. The past could be a great educational uh, resource for you. And I would say learn from your failures and don't look at them as failures as much as lessons. And so don't repeat them. Best ever deal you've done? You know, I've done a couple of very good deals with uh, with some people, even though a couple have gone bad. And I think that, you know, we've we made a sizable investment in a multi-unit property that we did well with. I just wish we wouldn't have sold it. <laughs> <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back? Great question. I give back 
on a daily basis. It's, it's a great vehicle having the radio show. I give back to organizations all the time, give free advertisement for great causes. And then uh, we do a lot of personal giving back to here in the Bay Area. We might have talked about this, but I'll ask it anyway. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Yeah, I think I would just repeat that. I think the biggest mistake would be just aligning myself with the wrong people. Thank God it, it happened really just once that, that was a pretty significant financial hit. But that would I would say the biggest mistake. Most of real estate I've done really well. I've been fortunate, but that would be the biggest one. And Joe, what's the best ever place for the best ever listeners to reach you? Yeah, they could uh, find me at reradiolive.com. That's re as in real estate, radiolive.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your experience as a residential mortgage loan officer, as well as your experience as a real estate investor. Love how you approach things, education first, get information out to consumers, and then focus on you know, adding as much value through that information. Really interesting, the Mortgage Minute, the impromptu Mortgage Minute that you gave us where you said we need to be taking advantage of the low cost of money right now. You anticipate rates going up. Nobody knows when they're going to go up, so we won't hold you to it, but you think it's going to be happening soon. Your best guess is the first or second quarter of 2016. And even with that being said, as you mentioned, it's important to have perspective on the low cost of money, even if that happens relative to where it's been in the past. So looking at the opportunity costs right now of waiting, or even if you, when they, if you wait until they raise a little bit, the opportunity cost of waiting even then because of the relatively low cost of, of borrowing even at that point. And then talking about the deal that didn't go well in Pebble Beach, where the two learnings from that, one, do the due diligence on the partners specifically. What you would do differently is you would talk to people you who recommend that individual who you already know. So you'd already have a, a second degree of connection and you would ask for very specific questions. You might even hire a company to look more into the background because on the surface from that one agreement, uh, the contractor was on a uh, politically connected and on the board of a uh, or on uh, the coastal commission for the county. So the perception was the credentials were there and perhaps the credentials were, but there's a lot going on underneath the surface. So uh, that's the one learning. And the second learning is to get the attorney involved at the beginning of the partnership. That way you don't have some fun things happen towards the end. And the attorney's like, well, you should have talked to me before this. And then interesting on the best ever deal where you all did well with the multifamily deal and perhaps you've got some, some seller's remorse for selling it, but um, I'm, I'm sure either way you're, you, you've got a smile on your face whenever you think of that deal. So thanks so much for, again, being on the show and sharing your advice and I hope you have a best ever week. You're welcome, Joe. That's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a great day.